Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Eldest Daughter Podcast, a podcast in discovery of what makes a cycle breaker. Today, like every day, we'll be diving into the identities, experiences, and choices that go in to becoming somebody who defines the world for yourself by yourself. And today I am joined by a very special guest, Lauren Chan. You say that about everybody, don't you? Yes, but it's true. <laughs> you have a but it's always true. of very special guests, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, 100 Literally every... I mean, it's just been conversation between friends. Yeah. Literally everybody that I've had on, on the pod has been somebody who I've been inspired by, loved really deeply, watched grow, and feel delighted to be in the same space as. And you're one of those people. Likewise. I mean, that's why I'm here in the flesh. I'm I also so, just love hearing you say, on the pod. On Exactly. On, on the, the pod. pod. On the pod. Exactly. A pod that I'm self-creating so <laughs> what are you gonna say um but you do look gorgeous you look like a, a german school boy today <laughs> thank you i was joking that um i love my outfit and i feel the sexiest in this and for those that aren't watching and are just listening i'm wearing a vintage yves saint laurent men's blazer a skims super crop top so that you of can course. see the bottom of my cup sheer bra right exactly banana it's a little republic belly. tailored black shorts super hot those are really good thank you white crew socks and a madewell heeled loafer and these are from Madewell. These are from Madewell. And I no joke feel as sexy as I possibly can. Right? And the I thing also is, have no makeup on and yesterday's hair from set. It's radiating off of you. It is, but sheer sex I've appeal. been told I look like a German a German schoolboy. You do, but to me that makes sense. Like you're serving leg. <laughs> you're serving leg. You're serving like, and no, it truly is like party on, you know what I'm saying? Like business on top, party at the bottom. What did you say before we started recording? It's me in my highest form. It is. It's you in your highest thank form. You. That's exactly right. And thank, thank you for bringing that here today. Yeah. You knew that's the only way you could show up. Yes. Um, for those who are not familiar, I'm just going to give some little specs. I don't really think any of it matters as much as who you really are. But uh, Lauren is a former but also continued fashion writer, writer in general, and model, um, influencer, content creator all the things and also uh, the owner of Henning which was recently acquired by Universal Standard which is so iconic. I was Thank curious you. if you were going to wear Henning today. You know, I'm back on my vintage men's blazer. I, you bullshit. know what and I've noticed that. And I've no but also that makes that makes sense because you're going back to your original inspiration. I just also I'm at this point where I feel very new chapter energy and I love my Henning pieces. They're the best things I've ever totally. made. I, they're the best blazers that I own. Right. But I kind of am like, okay, without seeing the tag, yeah. the logo on it for a while. Yeah, any, any former founder will understand. I'm sure what I mean by that. Yeah. So yeah, I get myself, it. Yeah. A little break. Yeah, you should. I recently, I mean, I've read almost all of the articles, although I don't think that could be possible because there's a new article being written about you by the second because Lauren is um most recent sports illustrated rookie and if i'm if i remembering correctly the first openly queer plus size woman on the cover or to have a feature i was like speak it to from your lips exactly <laughs> and, I think, ears, and i think the cover but i am not on exactly the cover right. that's right that's right to have feature um soon to be cover i'm certain I am certain of it. I'm certain of it. And you looked absolutely fucking smoking hot. But more than Thank that, you. you look like you were really owning yourself. Thank you. And you owned yourself with a very personal essay mm -hmm. in that feature um, where you you came out to people who are not closest to you. Yeah. And really to the world and, and as well to myself and those who are closest to me as kind of like the official start of the new chapter. Mm. Right. It, it had the energy of me putting my experience of the past year of coming out and going through a divorce and deciding what new things I wanted to put in my life mm -hmm. um, on paper. Absolutely. And like, and like encapsulating them in time. Yeah, fortifying them into yeah. existence. Absolutely. And also, you know, like that year prior had been so much therapy, so much journaling, so much meditation, so yes. much actual action, so much emotional action. And I hadn't really written it all down succinctly in like totally 1200 neat little words. Right. So it felt really good to do. And it. having to choose the words, I think is really. Getting to. Yeah. Get, getting yeah. to. I love that. I love that. It is like a huge honor to be able to find language to things that you have been processing and maybe haven't been able to speak or haven't been able to, you know, concisely and like with a neat bow placed together and be like, wow, this is who I am now. Like mm -hmm. I, there was one time where I didn't think this was possible. I, moving into this this interview on the pod I was thinking about um I was thinking about the last time that we spent time we went to dinner at Miss Ada um fabulous restaurant and 
I remember there being a lot of like liminal space. Like you and I were both, we spent the majority of the time talking about this like liminal space and a lot of like waiting and feeling held in like uncertainty about everything. One thing you were certain about at the time was that you were gay. <laughs> and that was a new, that was new certainty. I also remember you being like, I remember I, I responded and I was like, yeah, babe, I know. And you said, did everybody know but me? <laughs> <laughs> I think that you told me that you had had a conversation with a friend and your friend had been like, she's gay. gay and right? you were like, I know. Yeah. And I think I said, fuck you. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> but I forgave you because the hummus was so good. You yeah, know what the, I mean? The hummus was delightful. The setting 100%. was appropriate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I had to deliver it um, with treats. But yeah, I think it's so, it was really, I actually kind of, I definitely shed a few tears for you in, in reading that essay. And then also a few of the other uh, interviews that I read of you and kind of your pub run, because there was, there is such certainty in so many kind of tied loose ends to what you previously held so many questions about that were very much about you. Like I remember in that conversation, you know, we obviously there was so much held in confidence, but also like a lot of the things that you were describing of this like great North star that you kind of followed and you use that specific language in, mm -hmm. in one of the interviews that I read where you're talking about your North star and how like you kind of had to reground back into this purpose that you spoke of. And I would love for you to kind of share that, share that more yeah. openly. I tend to talk about North star in terms of career because I've been a plus size model. I've been a fashion writer and editor. I've been a business founder. I'm now back into modeling, influencing sports illustrated swimsuit rookieing and all of those roles are quite different, mm -hmm. but they follow my North Star, which yes. is to make work that makes folks who have felt marginalized and excluded and therefore disenfranchised and, and not powerful because of their size mm -hmm. feel included, celebrated, powerful, capable, all the good things that the rest of the folks in this world get, get to, to feel on a daily. Right, don't exactly. Even think about, right? No, it's implicit in their existence. hundred totally. percent. And what working, I think, following that star for the last 10 years in the size the in the areas of size inclusion has taught me is that those modalities are applicable to myself in my personal life mm -hmm. outside of just what I look like outside of what's on the outside outside of my work right completely and when I flip that to the inside and the conversations I'm now like this one so excited to have right all of those principles still stand and they serve me really well mm-hmm and I think actually one thing I kind of wanted to jump back to when you were talking about liminal spaces, I'm being tangential now, but I was so okay with the unknown. It was so present. It was so, so present. And I knew that it was going to be that way for months. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess, was forced um, or put in situations where I then learned how to be okay with that yes and that was where i created all that beauty it's where i had space to discover it's where i had space to try things on it's where i had space to think about what i could create if my life wasn't going to look the same right and perhaps that is so beautiful because i previously had such fear of the unknown i'm like mm -hmm. raised by uh you know second generation immigrants i work and achievement oriented yes and i like like to know what's coming i'm good at strategy i'm good at planning i'm good at executing yes and like that actually could have kept me in the closet not knowing myself Absolutely. what have you for longer because i didn't like have the bravery to like even peek at the unknown Absolutely. I, I relate to that so much. Something else that I relate to that I think is really connected to that is within liminal space, you, there is no doing as an escape for being. And I think you've mentioned, um, how f a lack of feeling and kind of the avoidance of feelings had served you well for so long in the context of your career and being able to kind of like continue to follow this North star in the context of your career alone, but it also kind of cut off in what is it like dismembered mm -hmm. you from your like emotional body and the reasons why that would be important beyond other people and it being in service to other people and being um, successful in a way that other people could co-sign and see very clearly. And so I'm kind of curious about, the feelings for yourself that you found in this liminal space and how it's allowed you to follow a North star in a more 
personal, spiritual or emotional realm and how that's kind of also found its way into your your interpersonal relationships and like the way that you want to show up on the daily. I think that in that space, I started I started to feel more of myself again because I was kind of forced to yeah started around COVID right and so Mm -hmm. I had so much more time were you a COVID thriver I mean yes and I mean from from this point from where I'm sitting now I would say yes yeah exactly exactly totally look at the time it felt like look around yeah exactly totally at the time I was trying to save a business I was applying for PPP loans for my employees after they got them I had to let them go which was one of the hardest professional things I've ever had to do if not the hardest Mm -hmm. um yeah you know there was there was body stuff uh there was health stuff there was family stuff at the time it was difficult but I also think that looking back now, quote unquote, COVID was so much longer than we thought it was going to be. So mm-hmm. that was the beginning of it. Right. And then I kind of got to this space where we were through all of that and I was sitting at home and I had space to kind of start feeling stuff. And right. We also are, we're all different up here and in our hearts and yeah, like we're made a different stuff. after that. Yeah, exactly. From the, you know, communal cultural like trauma we went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as I started feeling and talking about those feelings in therapy and writing them down and working on them and meditating and going to get a massage and, and, and trying to have a self therapy session and doing all this work, mm. I like felt better. I felt more alive. Yes. I was having breakthroughs and I just think the success cycle of that, like being like, Whoa, that worked. Oh my God, that feels good. Okay. What else? Right. Really, really, really worked for me. And then I was so grateful that I had all mm-hmm. that space, all that yes. nothingness to fill up with that with myself right absolutely and with what you think is achievement and what you think will make you feel a sense of belonging or understanding about your place in the world that again will completely eliminate the chance for uncertainty yeah that great unknown um i kind of want to trail back a little bit because you mentioned uh your upbringing and obviously like you're canadian you're you're Canadian. I'm Canadian. That's huge. That's major. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the congratulations exactly. on this. That's- this people is the appropriate reaction. One hundred percent to be Canadian. To give somebody when Absolutely. they tell you that they're Canadian. <laughs> totally from the Great North. Um, and you also are biracial and Asian, Asian Canadian. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to know more about the cultural context for you being able to make the choices that you made in creating this North star, wanting to become somebody with a voice, wanting to become somebody who allows space for other people to have a voice, at least provides a platform. Right. Um, I think most pointedly, I want to know what you're like as a kid. Okay. So first this is, I, I love conversations with you, but I'm also like, okay, one question, two question, three question, four question. Okay, in order. Okay. So the first exactly. one you asked, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. You exactly. pointed at me. Exactly. <laughs> this is a test. There's always layers, babe. Um, first, I think that being Canadian has helped me in my career because I have such respect for Canada. And I think that it really taught me that um, the communal good is important. Yeah. We're more socialist than the States. And we really think about other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that... I mean, I don't have to get into this, but like can be seen through our healthcare, through the way we treat people, through manners, through our media, whatever it is. In Canada, we have a little bit more. I said it, Canada instead of Canada. In Canada, (laughs) we have a little bit more of a sense of common good. And Mm -hmm. that, I think, has informed how my career has shaped in wanting to make it, yes, about me and my accomplishment, but really for others as well and Mm -hmm. for the greater good of who consumes my work. I think that being raised by a Chinese father and an Armenian mother has made me achievement oriented because my dad is second generation. My mom Mm. is a few generations back. Um, But I was very much also raised with my Chinese grandmother present who was in China until she was in her twenties and then had two kids in China, came over to Canada and then that year had my dad. So that's, she was like very much, Chinese immigrant story. They had Chinese restaurants. They wanted to work hard to make their Mm. kids' lives better. The intensity of that trickled down through all of their being, all of my dad's um, 
siblings, including him, are medical professionals. Mm -hmm. All of the cousins, except for me in my generation, are either medical or finance professional. Whoa, finance professionals. See, mm -hmm. it jives. It's so not it's me that exactly. I can't even it doesn't get it, it right. Yeah, it completely. Um, and so I think that that spirit mm -hmm. uh, translated into how hard I work and how maybe to my detriment in some ways I felt loved when I did a good job at stuff and then it became right. coded into part of my personality. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also I, I want to tap into that idea of like good job mm -hmm. and what does good mean and who is that serving, right? So when you mentioned that you're the only of your line of cousins who doesn't have the the like societally and familially like gold stamped credential mm -hmm. of being a medical professional or a finance professional and you chose a more creative path, a more like self-affirmed path. Were there any signs that you would go down that road? Like, did you, yeah, did I you think initially, it was, clear. It, it was clear from the yeah. beginning. Did you initially intend to be a creative? Like, was that something that you like early on really enjoyed? Like again, what were you like as a kid? I always enjoyed it. I know that's the one I'm avoiding. Aren't you understanding what's happening Why? here? No, I'm just kidding. I think it's, I think just as like a, well, first of all, it was a, it was a lot of questions, a long time ago. but also, um, it's, I don't know. I don't think about it that much, but when I was little, I was very creative. I like loved yeah. art camp. I loved all those classes in school, but I thought that I was going to be in the WNBA. That's sick. <laughs> that is sick. Well, okay. So you were an athlete. I did read this. Mm -hmm. You were an athlete for the majority of your youth. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you suffered an injury Yeah, that my, kind of derailed that plan. My appendix ruptured, um, at the end of one of my college seasons and it, I mean, it was bad. So they, you know, I think I had like blood sepsis, stomach sepsis, my yeah. lung collapsed. They cut through my bowel. Oh, I lost, so I was like uh, probably a size four. It was, it was, and then the recovery was bad. So I just never got back. That's incredibly traumatizing. Yeah. Two, two years of my seasons. Um, but I thought that I was going to go play semi-pro mm -hmm. Gen genuinely up until I was probably 19. Wow. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, there is so much structure and ability, like, obviously teamwork, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to think for a team and not necessarily for yourself. And like the daily toil of like, okay, so I go and practice. And if I like am able to achieve X agility, X amount of shots, whatever, I'm not an athlete. So I'm just, Thank I'm just you. saying things. Okay, basketball wife. Period, babe. Exactly. <laughs> if you're watching point guards, um, what is it, centers? I was like, okay, I don't think, I think, I think you've got the wrong terminology there. No discrimination, but point guard, you're a center centers. kind of wife. Yeah. Okay. You're I a think power so too. forward kind of wife. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, but like, it's like, if you achieve these metrics, like yeah. I can be good. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I will make people proud. I'll make myself proud. Mm -hmm. And the ability to kind of stay within that structure is very comfortable. Did you have like this kind of great crumbling? Did you have any challenge? Did you have any like identity crises or shifts or like clarity that came with that door being closed? I love the way your brain works. Um, I mean, obviously we're so young, so we really only know that in retrospect. Like I'm right. saying at the time it was like a fuck. I was relieved. <gasps> Let's get into I that. know, right? <gasps> the first time I actually, jumping forward and then we'll go back, the first time that I had been asked that question was during COVID and my therapist asked me, have you ever like lost faith in like a belief system or like really mm -hmm. had that crumbling? And I was like, no. And he was like, buckle up. <laughs> and I, it's a good thing I fucking did. Right. Um, but anyways, so I was relieved. I was a really good athlete. But I was clearly doing it because a I had, oh my god, I'm like hearing it as it's coming from my mm -hmm. mind through my mouth. I was doing it because I had been doing it. Period. period. I was too quote unquote too far down the line right. to quit. I just had two more years to play in in college, and then I would go play pro, and I'd get paid. No That's period. it. Period. Exactly. Right? There was a clear path that I made you comfortable. Was good at it. Yes. I congratulations. You have a price kink. Yes. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> All the good ones too. Um and I didn't feel like I had a good enough reason to not want to mm. play anymore, to explore other things. I mean, as I 
It's wow. a, it's familiar now, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's so familiar, one hundred percent. And like, when did you find that good enough reason? When did the good I enough did reason it, become it, clear? I was in the just now, and I the co my coach came to the hospital, and you know, we was decided to see, which was so lovely, right? So so many of my teammates whom I loved, right? But um, no, I remember sitting at my kitchen table while I was in recovery at home, and called him, and I said, "I'm not right. coming to training camp." You know what's really fascinating to me is that obviously, like being an athlete is so centered around the body. And I think for so many tall women, like mm -hmm. being tall is very isolating mm -hmm. and you have a couple choices and it's to become an athlete or a model. I mean, it, the way it, that we can just decide what male acceptably, you know, bucket we male accepted bucket we fit into that's yeah like, completely exactly what we look like is i can't even but yeah that's yeah. exactly right and it's like if i'm not received in desirability yeah. for being tall then like yeah. i'm just going to be an athlete and i used to have this like insecure quip this like knee-jerk reflex where like someone would say something to me about being well they would know me as a plus-size model or in this version of my career mm -hmm. and they would somehow come upon the fact that i used to play basketball and i would say yeah, that was my original reason for being this big. <gasps> Made yourself the joke? I know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I'm really curious about, I always say to people, like, being a plus-size model is, like, not the activism that it's been marketed to be. Like, at the end of the day, we're still selling a beauty standard. We're still selling people a standard period, including lifestyle, right? Where some people think that they don't need, we're not doing that. We're actually conduits for that. We're the mm -hmm. hang, we're, we're the model and the hanger for that. Um, and that doesn't mean that the work is not purposeful or that the art that we get to be a part of doesn't have an impact on people's lives. Like those two things are both true at the same time. Um, I think one of the most insidious ways that being in this industry affects the people within it is that so many models come in with this like so many plus size models in specific come in with a sense of like virtue right we come in because we want to help people we're also finally being affirmed for being hot for the first time that feels really nice right like you get to say like you can't call me fat and then mean it in a bad way because i get paid for it so fuck off and that feels really good um and at the same time, like you're constantly being compared. You're in this like never ending cycle of comparison of like having to show off every part of yourself, even on a bad day, even on a day when you want to be small, when you don't feel so good. Um, I'm curious about like when and if your ability to show up in confidence in like the beautiful person that you are, the person that I'm seeing today in images regularly in campaigns, when that confidence actually met personal confidence, if that's happened for you and how that happened for you. I, this is such a shit answer, but I've always had personal confidence. I've totally. a very confident person. Totally. But I ground. She's a Leo y'all. Yeah. She's a Leo. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's major. It's just, it is true. I don't yeah, know. Totally. I, but when we say, but I, I do think it's important for me to think about that because I, I, I have put safeguards in place for myself to keep that confidence mm -hmm. and not to let that comparison seep into my Let's talk mind. about those. What are those tools? Always, I have always, since you're asking about being a model, I've always had other avenues with which I form my sense of self so mm -hmm. that my sense of self is not tied to what I look like, what I look like or what I'm doing compared to someone else mm -hmm. um, into something that is a very volatile industry where, and I mean like you could be in one day and out the next. That's exactly right. It's not about what you're doing or who you are. Right. Yeah. Right. right, right. Those, those things are all very flimsy and can be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And I think that folks get in a really tough spot with any creative pursuit or any pursuit maybe um, when you form your sense of self around things that can be taken away from you. Yeah. And so I know that sounds very heady, but for me, practically, I was always a writer and I always have written. I wanted to start a business. So I had a business. I right. more recently have been grounded in all of my mental wellness work and, yes. and therapy and becoming who I am and creating this new life that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I keep talking about is, is pride. I have to be able to look back on experiences or relationships or what have you and be like, I made myself what, proud. Yeah. What, what can I be proud of from that? Cause it's not, 
one situation or relationship isn't going to make you like one note proud. It's it's all full of nuance, right? It's like things can be um, good for you and not so good for you sometimes and of difficult. Course. And, you know, I'm thinking specifically about my Sports Illustrated swimsuit weekend experience, which I had kind of shared a little bit about on social, wherein I said something to the effect of, you know, this is fucking awesome. I'm right. so happy to be here. It looked like a really fun weekend of parties. Um, but I had some moments where I felt insecure. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have energy to to stay out that night. Or Completely. And was that physical was insecurity? Upset. Was it about yeah, I mean, the I attention, was, where the attention was coming from? It was a lot of things. Those are just like two things and the list is long. But it was like imposter syndrome as well. Totally. It was like that feeling of early modeling days where I was the small fish mm-hmm. and I just wanted so badly to do a good job and I started getting insecure. And so my therapist asked me what I was proud of from the experience. And, you know, with the utmost confidence, I can say I'm so proud of coming out and celebrating mm-hmm. queer joy at such a pivotal time when the LGBTQ community is under, is attack, under attack for writing my essay and my words. Mm-hmm. Um, writing your own story for yourself yeah. versus and letting it be written for you. That viewpoint, standing, breathing into, standing into that pride, mm-hmm. it's such an amazing experience. But I just kind of want to make the point that like, just because something is a wonderful experience that makes you so proud of yourself and you want to keep doing, doesn't mean that you're not going to have a blip where you don't feel so great within the experience. Of course. I like recently I've been kind of fostering this conversation a lot with my friends where I'm coming to terms with the fact that like adulthood is constant bitter and like bitter and sweet. Like I think there's like this inner child And all of us that wants everything to either be a huge success in this feeling of pure exhilaration and joy or like this grief and disappointment. So I mean, because both of those things you can control. But in reality, it's like as we make these markers in our lives, like there are going to be things that are challenged stories about who we are that are challenged within us that make us feel grief with the joy at the same time. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, I've achieved this thing. And I think we often call that like imposter syndrome, for example, like in that moment, you don't feel like you're in place. And of course, a lot of that is systemic. It's because you're a woman, you're Asian, you're, you know what I'm saying? You've been curvy your whole life. Like those things make sense because they're systemic. And at the same time, like there's a little part of you that has to let go of, of that thing of that, like identifying story because now you made it. Also like grief is not a bad thing. No, it's, it's a great part thing. of the experience. And it's, a great thing. it's like, it's, the way that we ascribe good or bad stamps to use your word on emotions is kind of wild to me from, from this point of view. I just think that all feeling everything is necessary. Yeah. Take it from me who didn't. Right. And there's something really beautiful about grief felt and processed correctly. I, I, no, I think it's it the whole gives beauty. You new ground. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to tell you. No, exactly. no eat. Yeah. You're eating. Continue. <laughs> Continue. Well, I think that like, I, I wrote this book. I, excuse me. I read this book. I, I've also <laughs> I written one. I, I, I wrote on this pod. one. Um, I, I read this book called necessary losses by Judith Viorst. It's a very heady intellectual therapy book. Um, but in it, she kind of talks about like, essentially there are a series of necessary losses, things that we will have to let go of in order to find belonging again. And we like learn that from birth. It's like, we have to leave like the safest, warmest thing in the whole world in order to become a person, like a living individual. And that will go through that over and over and over again. Um, and I, I obviously, you know, from a personal standpoint, know that you just went through a lot of necessary losses. Like Mm -hmm. you had that bitter and sweet at the same time. You, in so many ways, it's like you recently had your business acquired. That's a huge necessary loss. Right. And that like you gain this incredible new platform and this incredible collaboration at the same time. Like I'm certain there's a part of you that's like, wow, like I really did this on my own and now it's not just my own. It's something much bigger. And that's so beautiful and important Um, and not bigger because it wasn't amazing to begin with, but because that's a part of life is now it's collaborative. And you also went through a divorce 
you're going you through a divorce. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a divorce. And that's like, obviously so devastating. And I know you and your, you know, your ex-partner were, are, are, and were friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious about what you feel like you're currently gaining in self in specificity. And when I say that, I mean, Lauren, not Lauren as defined by a new relationship or a new way of being a new career path for Lauren. Like, what do you think you've, you've gained about you and what you understand of you? I never really thought about it from the inverse of necessary loss. I kind of have been thinking about it from the standpoint of new space. Um, Mm -hmm. but I like that because it helps process the loss. And I talked a little bit about this actually in therapy this week mm. where not to be comparative, but the newness that is coming is a result of the necessary loss mm-hmm. and it helps ease the pain of the loss in mm. the long run. You know, if I was in the moment with these things and I felt them so wholly and I gave myself weeks to say, I'm, I'm not working this week. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't go to the job. I've, I sitting at home crying and I'm, feeling it. that is powerful yeah I to be able on, to create that I boundary think I bailed on like two jobs and I've never missed a job were you shocked by here. yourself I, I I I didn't have that much bandwidth to be like seeing it from a, uh, another angle and like be like oh wow it was like okay you just have to right I just have to Anyways. right um and so in the space that is new I am thawing out emotionally. Mm. I'm getting aligned. I'm creating from a position of who I am now. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like if we were sitting here two years ago, I would be like talking all about my work. I would, you know, right. that was what was front of mind for me. Completely. And I feel like I'm trying to be like, okay, don't get too deep because we're going to lose people. It's going to be like right. just you and I having the deepest conversation ever. Um, but I think that that's really powerful and that's what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I already did everything yeah, that I wanted to do in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, and all of those ways were exterior. And like mm. now I'm doing a lot of what I feel I need to do emotionally for me. Absolutely. Well, and I think like, you know, from the outside looking in, I am perceiving that you're actually entering like a a very clear soul's purpose. It, it like you're in this like great awakening of sorts. And like people, I've been following you for probably like I don't know maybe five five six years, following you both energe- energetically and on the internet. <laughs> um, and I feel like now it's like I'm getting to see you like transcend the physical form, right? Like it it has been so much of me being like, wow, like I'm watching. Lauren be able to be a better model, be able to be a better creator, get amazing brand deals. Like I, that is what I've been able to see of you. And now it's like, I get to see you be Lauren and like cut your heart open. You know what I'm saying? Like do this, like this huge act of bravery and showing people who you really are. And I know how vulnerable and like fear inducing that can be. And I also know how liberating it is. And I feel like people get to experience your courage and liberation in a new way speaking of courage i want to go back to something i i well uh, wait wait wait. i was gonna say that you are the prime example of that i feel like there was a moment a few years ago that i was watching and you kind of had shifted from i'm a model i'm gonna do it how everybody else does it Mm -hmm. i'll apply to the agencies i'll try to do that and then you were like no fuck it right and now look that's it that's it. Right. And you would never go back to try to do it that way. Now, no. everything you make is from who you are, your purpose. Right. And they are showing up as vehicles that aren't like traditional modeling gigs. Conventional you have a tarot deck. You, like yeah. you said, you, ha- you're all- you have the pod. I'm right. sure there's a book coming. <laughs> right. These are things that I'm sure from that old point of view before you kind of like shapeshifted into this. Right. Weren't yeah. even on your vision board yet. No, absolutely not. Completely. And I wasn't, I always say like, there was like this beautiful 
secret garden waiting for me, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. the person to tend to it yet. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't have the tools to tend to it yet. And I think in fact, I would have like burned it down and tried to build a building where I would have a storefront instead. Sure. Like that's who I would have been at the the time. Um, And I didn't understand that a garden was like worth tending to. Like I didn't understand the toil and the time and all those things were worth doing. I think when you like know yourself in the way that you do or I mean I I assume that you do and like I'm learning to Mm -hmm. and you create from that you also take away the friction of like the pressure of like yeah I need a storefront because I'm supposed to have a storefront and everyone else has a storefront and you're like well whatever I grow in this garden is I'm gonna eat perfect thing yeah that's the thing that's it for me I'm like I'm gonna eat I'm gonna eat and I know that for certain and that's really actually all I've ever cared about was like the comfort and the abundance in the fact that I will be able to then share that meal with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like that is actually what I care about. It took a lot of stripping away to create those values. And it also required a lot of what you were talking about earlier. You called it pride. When I asked you about confidence, you called it pride, which again is such a Leo thing. (laughs) And I'm so obsessed with that for you. I think you're a very like quiet Leo. You're a Leo in the ways that I think is actually Leo. It's like very like, silent and self-affirmed. Um, and I think you've tapped into something that people call confidence, but actually is much deeper in like richer soil, which is self-trust. Um, like you were talking about, like at one point it's like you were a, you know, a fashion writer and then you decided to become a business owner. And it, the way you said it was so flippant. It was like, yeah, so then I just became a business owner, right? But it's like, there was a lot of sacrifice as far as like where you were at that time and the kind of things that you would have been affirmed in to then just decide to be a business in your own right and start you know, being a content creator and build your business from the ground up. And those are things that require self-trust, right? And you mentioned earlier, it's like that grows through doing it repeatedly and, mm-hmm. and habitually. Um, at the time, because again, you said it like, it just happens at the time when you made that transition. Cause I feel like that was the first of like, what wouldn't have been obvious at the time, but very clear, like kind of domino effect mm-hmm. of like the becoming of Lauren right now that I'm seeing before me. Did you feel courageous? Did you feel fear? Did you feel I, I'm a mix of both kind of to our earlier point of it all exists together. It's full of nuance, but I was just talking about this the other day. Actually, I had like changed the world level energy and motivation. Right. And there is no way to summon that and manufacture it just because you want to like at will. Yeah. But at the time I was so motivated by having been a fashion editor, having been small fat, having no one like me around me, seeing success of actually getting Mm. such wonderful size inclusive content made in the pages of Glamour, um, at my freelance gigs, uh, on our our digital verticals, you know. You watched Lauren Effect happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, I can do this. Yeah. I can like go make the world a better place for everyone else who I know is out there like me. And I did. And so although I didn't know anything about building a business or making clothes, that energy truly carried me through it all. I was like not sleeping at night because I was like writing notes. It was on your chest. You knew, you knew it exactly. It was a calling and you knew it had to happen regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, What was, I mean, obviously like, you know, we talk about our time when we were at, at dinner and, you know, you were definitely, I think going through a lot of like retrospective like what the fuck did I do here like where is this going why was the calling sent to me Mm -hmm. and that's a point that I don't think people speak too often like I always say like in America I think that in particular we love the binary of like you pick yourself up from the bootstraps and now you're wealthy Mm. there's like this like very black and white like I was nothing and now I'm everything and I think I've been very blessed in kind of seeing you at this point where you're like I followed the calling and I know it was right but where is this going what reaffirmed you at that time that like Henning was still worth worth being and like Lauren and Henning was still worth being and there was something still growing there in that garden it was still other people at that time Mm. it was still like I was so sick of the disadvantage that people above size 14 face totally because although it's closed and we can tend to feel frivolous about women's industries and things like fashion you know the effects 
of not having clothing to put on your body that are not fast fashion, outdated styles, cheaply made, et cetera, et cetera. And totally. that put you on par with your peers mm-hmm. at work, in your life, in your relationships um, cannot be understated. No, right? it can't. Like, it, it, New York City just banned discrimination based on weight, I think a week ago, two yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, very recently. When we're talking now. Um, and I started heading five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just had been an editor for a handful of years and I had focused on size inclusion. And so I had interviewed basically everybody that there is to speak to about either why they weren't making size inclusive product. Uh, if they, if they were getting into it, how they were, what their challenges were, et cetera, et cetera, what we could do with the white space. And no one had the right answer. And in my opinion, no one was executing it properly. And in my, you know, quietly opinion i at least said behind closed doors like fine i'll fucking do it right absolutely it, well you did and you ate you ate for several reasons i you know like you're absolutely right there is a limitation in personal expression and personal expression is a sense of self right and i think that like beyond the basics of survival and the fact that like the way you enter a room as a, a fat curvy plus size person woman is going to define how much money you make moving forward it's going to define your relationships it's going to define your sense of safety and belonging in the world like those are all very real things that are survival based and then if we take it a step further at a higher tier of just simply thriving you also just don't get to feel like yourself Mm -hmm. like we all remember having to dress in business casual and look like a medical clerk as a young as a child Mm -hmm. because that's what was available and we have to wear peplum tops and cold shoulders at 29 years old like that makes sense and with henning you were doing something really nary like, a cold shoulder insight in nary a cold shoulder insight no you were doing something like very like sexy and sophisticated and i think also german schoolboy i was about to say to speak to the german schoolboy <laughs> beyond the binary also yeah. like your version of sexy and feeling your version of femininity and affirmed was not what was being sold in that like hyper hyper feminine trope of what a curvy woman should look like. Well, it's because, you know, in my opinion, we have been messaged by fashion that it is acceptable to be bigger than everyone else. If you play into what society wants a woman to be right now, you have to be Venus herself, Venus embodied like, or else exactly. Or else. And in that way, I feel like you were like killing seven birds, one stone, (laughs) because you were challenging the binary you were challenging your own maybe version of personal expression queerness i think that 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 would be a very obvious to you bitch expression of your queerness (laughs) um again thanks for telling me (laughs) and i only say that because you're most comfortable in that um and like yeah i think for so many people who at that point in fatness weren't able to see how mm. blinding that standard is of, of hyper femininity, you were really providing freedom. And like, that is so special. And I'm so happy that it, it lives on and that. And I, I actually don't think that I've seen anybody else do that. Um, except for maybe universal standard. And so this, yeah. I, I think that move makes so much sense, but a also home. it is, it is such a perfect home. And that is a perfect segue to um you know one of my last few questions is like what does you know home in lauren feel like today what do you think i feel like you've come full circle in a lot of the stories that you've told yourself about like what queerness means Mm -hmm. and how you can express it um what your femininity means how you can express it what being a business owner means how you can express it like you kind of closed a lot of those loops what is like the next loop opening what is what is the next home for lauren and the stories that you're telling i think that the like most broad brush i could put on that is that it's okay if home is unplanned or uncertain because mm. i don't know right now um and that is so powerful in itself yeah and that's like, okay it, it's necessary yeah right so What I'm doing to create my home Mm -hmm. is putting my mental health, emotional health and intelligence feelings and experience first. 
mm-hmm. um, across the board. So at work, that looks like, you know, I'm doing this crazy thing where I'm not doing anything proactive for a little while. This is shocking. I am waiting for folks to ask me. Breaking you news. Know, hey, we need a deck or blah, blah, blah. Sure, I'll hop right to it. It'll be the best deck you've ever seen. Trust right. me. But I'm not anticipating. Mm. And that is such a break. That's my mental health first. That's me then going to therapy being like, I'm doing this crazy thing. And he's like, this, why do you think that's so crazy? That sounds like health, babe. Right? Yeah. And then so I'm like learning about how I was raised and why I'm always in an anticipatory state and why I am so achievement oriented, et cetera, et cetera. And so just living in that practice, practice is the best word, I guess, Mm -hmm. makes my experiences go from, okay, even though it's still on paper an experience where in this made up scenario, I have a job and I'm making a deck. Mm -hmm. It takes my experience from, I have a job, I'm trying to get ahead because I'm wanting to do great and I'm wanting to have an impact, I'm wanting to help people. Um, and I want to anticipate because I want to impress my boss and I want mm. the deck to be the best ever and I have to stay up and do it and blah, 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 too. Cool. I'm here in this role because I'm supposed to be. I am an expert. I love what I do. I do it with care and respect. I trust other people to also do their jobs. Mm-hmm. And if someone needs a deck from me, I will absolutely hop to it. If I'm on set for the next two days, I will let them know that I have a flight on a Saturday, that Mm -hmm. I'm still happy to work on a Saturday if I have that space and it feels okay to me, and they'll get it on Monday. And in that time, I also have an hour of therapy where I'm talking about how I arrived there and how this practice feels Mm. good to give myself that – to, like, stop and feel the success so that I do it again. Wow. That's, I don't know. That's how like the inside of me feels right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you're creating a space for presence that you can actually have a sustainable Mm -hmm. practice, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, this is your life. You're not waiting for a flash in the pan for your life to change, right? You're not waiting for that next bus to hop on to take you to never, never land. You're not waiting for this like fantasy of a perfect Lauren in a perfect circumstance to prove that you're worthy of this moment to come. It's like you've are, you're deciding I'm worthy of this moment. I'm going to take my time with it. I'm going to hold it right because that's what it deserves. You mentioned care and respect. I love that so much. And like the world can wait for me. Like if this is what they're expecting of me, it's like they can wait for me to be me first. And that is, I think, one of the most restorative things that we can do for ourselves. I'm so proud of you and so happy to hear that you're in that place. I feel like I'm in a in a personal experience that's very mirrored. Um, I think I've talked about this in a different episode, but like, I have recently been able to acknowledge that like being in anticipation all the time and feeling the need to like immediately work towards needs that haven't even been voiced yet for other people and for the environment that I was in and constantly needing to be like in a reactive state in an immediate state of alert was again, robbing me of my joy, robbing me of the ability to see that my life is happening with me right now. It's not happening to me. It's happening with me and I need to be present for it and be able to hold it. Um, that those things were all like a result of trauma. Like I, I thought that that was just, somebody said to me the other day, why are you so good in everything? I said, it's a trauma response. Literally, <laughs> literally, literally that it's like, I don't know. Like there was a time when I didn't know that I was worthy of your, your care in respect if I wasn't this. So that's why, you know, and like, I'm also, I'm loving hearing that you're allowing yourself space to disappoint, to possibly mm. disappoint because that's what comes with it. Right. It's like, I know that you may have been used to the Lauren Chan two years ago that said yes. And I already had the deck done but I cannot do it until Monday. I hope that's cool with you. (laughs) It's not, is that cool with you? I hope that's good with Mm -hmm. you. You know, like that is really powerful. You're setting a new tone for, for not, I mean, not only yourself, but for other people, right? It's like, if they come into contact with somebody who's equally as self-affirmed and who is equally as competent and amazing at their job as you, you would hope that now they would expect that like, then it has to be on your time. They have to wait for you to be a full person and to be able to show up. Um, and that's really, really special. I'm yeah. so proud. Um, thank you. So if you were to list five ingredients that make up a cycle breaker, what would they be? Courage. Yes. It's easier to just do what's been done and mm-hmm. keep the cycle going. 
-hmm. Vulnerability, which it takes courage to have, Mm -hmm. but vulnerability is the key to connection, even to yourself, even if you're just talking in your own head. Mm. Vulnerability. I think the ability to be slow Mm. and notice these things that we're talking about when we are talking about like seeing successful moments happen um, and wanting to do them again. But that takes slowing down. Like for me, that was the pandemic, right? Absolutely. Um, Well, it was also a choice. Yeah. A lot of people just maintain that pace. Sure. To give yourself credit. Thanks. <laughs> um, gosh, this is a good question to be put on the spot for. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so courage, you're eating. vulnerability, you're eating. slowness. Ooh, I guess we're going to have to cut this pause out. Courage, vulnerability, slowness. I want to say something to the effect of like, um, teamwork. Mm. I've been learning a lot that I don't have to do everything by myself. And that if I'm trying to break a cycle that Mm. is very deeply ingrained in me, I can like reach my hand out and ask someone to help me out. Yes. And somebody will be there and somebody will be there. Yeah. Which is really, I love that. I feel like we've talked so much about self and for you to kind of end on that note of like, now that I know what I'm capable of, I also know my limitations in doing this by myself. There is no reason to do it when I have people around me who love me mm-hmm. and who are waiting. Um, it, you're deserving of having love coming to your aid. And I'm so happy yeah. that you're learning that. Thank you. And then I think the last one is respect for yourself, mm-hmm. for everyone else, for your process, for the unknown, whatever it is to treat it with full respect, not say quips like, you know, some of the ones I mentioned, not talk badly to yourself, Mm. um, not write off and and blow off responsibilities or relationships or or decks that you have to make, but like to really show up to everything with respect as well. Mm. I think, I think, yeah. Courage, vulnerability, slowness, teamwork, respect. Does that make a weird acronym? You know, those posters. You know what? (laughs) I can't think of it right now, but if so, don't worry. This will be we'll put it in the show notes. This will be written. Exactly. This will be written and posted <laughs> on the Instagram account so everybody can talk about it. Um, thank you so much for your time and for your vulnerability and for your respect thank and you for your courage. Thank you for having me. <laughs> for all the things that you just listed. Yeah, of course. It's we been, could talk for hours. Yeah, no, we really, really could. And I also love that I, there are so many like incredible accomplishments and details and we were capable of it in of course able with the space to mention all of those things that are who you are but there is this like really gentle and profound essence about you that is going to move so move so many hearts and minds beyond your work and like I know that this is just the beginning of that and so I'm so excited to have this kind of marker of this podcast um, <laughs> because there's so much more Hopefully. from you and for you. Stay tuned. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Cannot wait. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Lauren Chan, we love you so much. Love you back. And we'll talk to you soon. This podcast and every episode is produced and edited by Joey Gabala, music by Sufi Hamilton, and of course, the voice of Kendra Austin. See you soon.